Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Famous Dead People podcast. The only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you like the show so much that you want to listen to episodes the day they come out, you should check out Radio Free Brooklyn every Monday at 3pm. You're about to hear the episode where I interview Napoleon Bonaparte, played by comedian Megan Gray, and Alan Rickman, played by comedian Mike Cavallon. This is a great episode. Episode. It's one of my favorites. Uh, before we get to all that, though, I want to remind you all to check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is coming out on August 22nd. It is available for pre-order now. It is 150 pages of me making fun of Trump advisor and ta- general talking head Kellyanne Conway. It is super funny if I do say so myself. And again, it is available for pre-order and it will be coming out very soon, August 22nd. So please check that out. Buy it, read it, love it, tell your friends. Go to my website, jarrettberenstein.com for more information and show dates. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Alan Rickman and Napoleon Bonaparte only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories dead stuck people. in the head. You're gonna hear from me, even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are award-winning British actor Alan Rickman Hello. and French military and political leader Napoleon Bonaparte. Hello. Mr. Rickman, Mr. Bonaparte, welcome to Famous Dead People. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, now, Mr. Rickman, I'd like to start with you. This is the first time on this show that I've actually met the dead person beforehand, before the show. I don't know if you remember, uh, it was years ago, I used to wait tables at uh, at this restaurant in New York City, and you came in... And I waited on you. Just I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember. You know, I it's remember just... every interaction I have with every human being I've really? ever met. So, so you remember me waiting on you at this restaurant? Yes, it was seven fifty-four on a Tuesday. That is a hundred percent right. That I is incredible. I left a solid twenty percent tip. Yeah, yeah, I, it, to the penny. Yeah, a cappuccino and a cannoli. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. That is incredible. That's incredible. Like a steel trap. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did you find that, that having that kind of memory was something that you developed because of your world as an actor? Or did you was that something that you always had and then you thought, oh, I, I should be an actor because of how good of a memory I have? The latter. Oh, okay. As a sense. child, I had photographic memory and I thought hmm. I could apply this to the medical sciences, the law, or any other field that might advance humankind. Mm-hmm. And yet I chose the theater. Interesting. So so you weren't thinking about this as like what would be better for the world in general, but I have a skill and I'm going to use it where I want to use it. Is that fair? Bingo, baby. Okay, fair. Well, I actually have a similar question for you, Napoleon. Hello, uh, je suis Napoleon. <laughs> yes, that is, that, is an, uh, that is an accent. Wow. Um, yeah, I want to know, so like, you know, you have this incredible... Uh, military career mm-hmm. that obviously is, you know, um, uh, you know, you 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 excel the ranks like really quickly. Oh, you know, you have yeah. all these incredible military victories. Uh-huh. Um, do you think that that was something that was like innate in you, or did you uh, did you learn about that? Like, did oh. you did you figure out that, or I don't, I don't, you know, where did that ambition come from? Where where where? Uh, Napoleon, uh, uh, he likes, uh, as you know, Jared, you may know, 
that I am a, a small man, a mm -hmm. little small man, a little petit was a interesting. And, yeah, well, and we actually do have a question about that too uh, because there's uh, some historical debate it, about that. Save you know? it, baby, right, Alan? Well, yeah, you got it, baby. Yeah. So I, I, so I know I am not uh, the biggest of men, and mm. so I say, hey, I got to make a lot of friends, a lot of bon amis. Mm. So I start making friends. I get presents for people. Ooh, interesting. I, uh, yeah, I give little candies to uh, to the lieutenants, <laughs> to the sergeants, and I start moving through the ranks. But, you know, it's uh, it's uh, you got to impress people. You so, got so to make friends. So you're saying your skill isn't really in in military strategy. It's more like social manipulation, uh, wait, like wait, wait, wait. getting people to like you. Yeah, yeah, like wow. getting uh, everyone in my, in my so social circle, <laughs> uh, and we go out, we go out to Paris, we go out, we get uh, some wine, and uh, and I make friends. And they promote me through the ranks. Interesting. Well, okay. Well. well, I'd love to hear more about how that oh, yeah. um, affected your actual like military strategy and everything. Um, but you know, we talked a little bit about how short of a human you are. <laughs> well, you know, just just to clear, I don't want to guess. I'm not a carnival worker. You uh, know, how no. tall are you? Would you mind? Uh, four foot. You're four. Four foot. <laughs> 11. 4 11. So 11. Like, is that the kind of thing where like you tell people you're 5 feet cuz it's like 1 I inch? I do. I rounded up, Jared, but for you, I I'm honest. I, I appreciate I said, that. Uh, I'm going to be honest with him. I'm going to know that I am the shortest. Ooh, wow. uh, many people start me for a child. Really? Uh, yes, wait, wait, wait. Uh, in Paris, uh, going through the Arc de Triomphe, they would be, oh, look at that child. Uh, and I said, no, 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 no. I am a, I'm a man in the military. Upon entering the studio, I thought you were a child and then you turned around <laughs> and you had facial hair mm. like a man. Uh, yes, uh, this beard is new. It's very in. Very new, very in. It's uh, very hip to have a beard these days. Wait, wait, wait. And, uh, and uh, I'm like, I got a little mustache going up. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a Van Dyke, maybe. Mm. We'll see. That's we'll interesting. See. I mean, it's interesting how you would say that your height mm -hmm. um, is, uh, you know, accurate because yeah, there's well. so many people who have said that calling you short mm. was just a tactic that the Allied put on you to make you seem less impressive. No, that you was know, accurate. According to Wikipedia, you were 5'7", but I mean, obviously here in person, Lies. I can see that you're 4'11". Lies and shorter. stilts. <laughs> that that had, I had some stilts to, to be able to look over the battlefield. Mm. Uh, and so a lot of people saw that and they're like, oh, he's not short. And I didn't correct them. Interesting. So wow. that's, that's, that's how that came about. Okay. And so do you feel like because you are such a tiny person that this was you know you you needed to be cultivate and and be scrappy yeah. oh yeah wait, wait, wait. to assert yourself uh-huh i did and i said i'm going to be the tallest of the short men and um. so i i fought and i fought within myself even to be taller <laughs> and to think tall and please please elaborate on fighting within yourself <laughs> I, I I went down to my tiny little child feet, and then I and I said Napoleon, no, you will not be a little man. And so I and part of me is like, oh, I want to be a little man. And I says, no, you will be a tall man. Wow. And that's what you have to project. That is inspiring, yes, like like well, a little well. mini Tony Robbins. Yes, I, I was just about to say, Jared, I am giving I am giving motivational speeches. Oh, is that uh, what you're doing oil, nowadays? Oil over, yes, well, oh. uh, just to uh, to make sure people feel tall. <laughs> okay, yes. well, I'll, we'll give you a chance to talk about your well, website or whatever uh, you right. know afterwards. But I'd love to go back to you, uh, Mr. Rickmer, for a moment because you know we were just talking about mm. how short and uh, and and tiny. 
um, Napoleon Bonaparte yes, over I here was, was there for that part of the yes, conversation. Yes, but you were, you know, you're, you're, you're the opposite, you know, like you have, you're a very tall man. You know, when I met you at the restaurant that I, that I waited table at, you know, like you really did seem like kind of a, kind of a hulking beast, you know, do you feel like you had, um, the opposite effect because of how big you were? Like, were you more of a chill, laid back kind of a person? Have you ever read It's Not Easy Being Tall? I believe the author is, that a real? is Big Bird. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a real book, that Big yes, Bird? Yes, it's a companion piece to It's Not Easy Being Small. I believe the author is Elmo. Okay, and obviously there's the famous It's Not Easy Being Green mm, by yeah, Kermit the yeah. Frog. That is correct. So you are familiar <laughs> with the series. The Muppets had so much struggle. <laughs> Did they not? They had struggles Truly. always. Yeah. And they were writing about it all yeah, the, the only, time. The only person who had it easy was uh, Oscar the Grouch. He said but, it is super easy living in a garbage can. But, yeah, that was my favorite of the trilogy, by the way. Anyway, so you were saying, Mr. Rickman. It's, it's a book that I can highly relate to in the book. Big Bird faces many tribulations, such as walking into door frames, <laughs> and that is an occurrence that happens to me daily. Mm, interesting. Uh. And so, do you feel like that maybe affected your career? Like maybe because I know that some tall people will force themselves to like sh- to sh- to to shrimp, shrink down their shoulders to seem less impressive. Did that hurt you as you were trying to become an actor? Like yeah. I have to seem less impressive? Uh, not so much uh, in terms of impressiveness, but in terms of uh, where I fit in the frame of the camera. I mm. frequently had to stand several feet further behind the other actors. Using so perspective. Perspective-wise, I was roughly average height. Interesting. So I know that like Kevin Costner is a pretty average uh, height Indeed. person, and you were in... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, playing was. Um, what was the character's name? The, the King? Sheriff of Sheriff Nottingham. Ryan, that's right. Okay, and um, and so like, how far away did you have to stand from Kevin Costner to appear as though you were the same height? Roughly half a mile. <laughs> the set for that movie was quite large. When you see <laughs> a incredible. castle in that movie, it's actually two castles that they had to shove together. Wow, that is uh, fascinating, and I mean, it's incredible how. You know, the, the, the lengths that we used to go to to use practical effects before computers became such a huge thing. Um, but I'd like to ask you also, I'd be remiss, Mr. Rickman, if I did not also mention your voice. Like you have one of the most uh, beautiful and, uh, and uh, I don't know, it, it's a resonant voice that just captures people. And so Thank I was wondering, you. do you ever find it, did you ever find it in your life? hard to do normal things in life because everything you say has such gravitas and sounds so impressive. Uh, yes, prank calls. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Quite yeah. difficult. So wait, so you used to do a lot of prank calls? Yes, the Simpsons gag of calling a bar and asking oh. for patrons oh. such as IP Freely okay. was yeah. an idea. Napoleon, that it sounds like you had a lot of experience oh, with this. Well, it well, sounds like you. Uh, I, I want to reenact one of these calls. <laughs> Could I be on the other line? Okay, yeah, for, why, don't, why, don't we do, why don't we do a prank call? We'll say that, you well, know, you're calling somebody who Napoleon will be on the phone. All right, so, you know, phone, phone's ringing, 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 ring, you know, picks up. All right. Uh, hello, uh, Peace Parlor. Uh, I'm going to be at a pizza parlor in this one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Go, go, go. Oh. Hello, uh, is your refrigerator running? Oh, hold on one second, let me check. Oh, oh, I did not know I had all this food. Oh, when did I get uh, a Napoleon, turkey? If oh, you, sorry. If you wouldn't mind, I feel like we're kind of getting off track. Oh, sorry, sorry. What it's the... a yes, no question. Yeah. Uh, what? It's running. Then you better go 
catch it. <laughs> how did that feel? Napoleon, how did that I, feel uh, on the other end of that? I felt special. <laughs> I felt this person has included me in their prank. Interesting. And I feel like a part of it because often I did not feel a part well, of it. Well, that's the thing is that, so Mr. Yeah. Rickman was saying that, you know, he had trouble doing prank calls, but it seems like you just had a normal prank call reaction to that, right? Uh, wait, 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 so at uh, no point were you like, this guy's voice is too deep or silky? I did think it sounded like Alan Rickmore. <laughs> <laughs> I, right away, I said, oh, how did he get my number? Mm. Uh, to my pizza parlor. Well, what but, you would usually happen, Mr. Rickman, when... Usually, I you... wouldn't get to the punchline. They'd just say, <laughs> is this Alan Rickman? Mm-hmm. And I, being a truth-sayer, would have to admit to the truth that it was indeed Alan Rickman. So then what would happen then? Would they, you know, say like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm such a fan. Or would you just hang up immediately? Yeah, uh, They would request that I come in for a <laughs> photograph and I would politely uh, uh, say no and, and mm, hang up the phone. A polite decline from Alan Rickman. That's still, that's still pretty cool, you know, yeah. to get that. Um, are there things that you wish that you could have done more of? Because, you know, like if, if you spoke like Mike Tyson, maybe you'd be able to get away with more, you know, that sort of thing. Like what? Murder? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, no. Uh-huh. Actually, I mean, if, if oh. somebody was going to be a murderer, your voice, I would go, that, that would be my, the, the prime suspect because of how just, I don't know, just it it's almost sounds diabolical, everything oh, coming out of your mouth, yeah. you know? Yes, I've always wanted to be a murderer to answer your former question. You wanted to be oh, a murderer? Like, like lethal weapon too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a diehard? Like, Die Hard? No, he definitely was not in I, Lethal Weapon 2. I was in Did you Die think Hard. that Alan Rickman was in Lethal Weapon 2, Napoleon? Uh, what? One minute. I <laughs> forgot. Uh, what? Bruce Willis is in Bru- Lethal Weapon? Also no, Die no. Hard. Also Die Hard, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Wait, that's, I was thinking of Bruce Willis. I was like, we, we have discovered a lot of your strengths, well, you know, <laughs> Mr. Napoleon, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, movie file is no, not no, one of them. No, 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 not that is the totally cinema. fine. No, you no. know, if not everybody needs to be a a, a movie a movie person. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, let's talk a little bit more about your you know incredible career. Um, so you know, you're 22 years old. You're sorry, you're 20 years old when the French Revolution breaks out. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Bruce Bonaparte, uh, which you know effectively ends the monarchy in France and triggers an end to the monarchies all over Europe. And your family was minor nobility. Like, how did you feel about the revolution that was happening? Did you support it even though you had benefited from the monarchy? Well, I was just like, oh, thank goodness it's not me. <laughs> I was like, hey, let's, uh, you know, but like, I had no cake to eat when Marie Antoinette said, mm-hmm. let's make cake, cake. And yeah. I had no cake. So I said, uh, okay, good, good riddance to them. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I want some of the pie. So you were the cake. far enough down the ladder that yeah. the guillotine swung over your head, so to speak. L- little bit. Minor nobility. We were close, but not close enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when so when the monarchy went away, I said, that's that's pretty good. Now is my <laughs> chance to mm-hmm. uh, to scrap it up, mm-hmm. up the ladder. Interesting. Yeah, and well, you well. were like halfway up the ladder already yeah, because well, of well, the... Yeah. Because of your position in society and everything. Well, and my personality. Of course, of uh, course, because of how charming, charming. and manipulative oh. you are. Like, honestly, I mean, yeah, Mr. Rickman, well. maybe you can confirm or deny this, but like just being in your presence mm. now, I can feel this charisma. Oh, like, I can really feel well. how effective it is. And merci for the uh, phone books that I'm <laughs> sitting on. Uh, it's very nice. I can reach the microphone. Oh, no, that was, it was my pleasure to do oh, that for you. you. Um, if you're just joining us uh, here on Famous Dead People, uh, you, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guest today, are actor Alan Rickman and military leader and former Emperor of France, Napoleon Bonaparte. 
Um, so I'd like to go back to Mr. Rickman uh, for a moment. So you started um, a graphic design firm. Um, uh, I didn't know that you were a successful graphic designer before you you fully committed to being an actor. Um, did you find that as fulfilling as you would eventually find acting to be? Like, was was that your sensible option instead of being an actor? Uh, first of all, I'd like to clarify that uh, back then, graphic design was not the same as it is now. I was more of a graffiti artist. Oh, interesting. A bit more okay. of a, a Banksy of the 70s, if you will. So you weren't doing designs for, like, companies' logos or anything. Like, you were doing street art? Is yes. that right, Mr. Rickman? you got it, baby. <laughs> So, like, what sort of stuff would you do? Like, were you trying to have the same sort of social commentary that we know from Banksy these days? At first, I was trying to tag, and okay. I tried out a few different street names. Okay, like, what were some of your street names that uh, you used to, uh, used to use? Bunny Hop Hop. Bunny Hop Hop. Uh, hmm. The Jolly Blue Giant. And uh, All right. Biggie Birdie. Biggie Birdie. These are very lighthearted. Yeah, yeah, none of them are intimidating like some of the other tags. You can see now why I moved into a different (laughs) field of work. Okay. Also, it seems like you all read a lot of uh, Muppet books (laughs) in Sesame Street, and it seems like they're very just like a nice guy. Yeah, maybe that had, you know, an an unconscious effect on you and just made you more of a a lighthearted and easygoing person. Yes, uh, the Harry Potter series was truly a fulfillment of my lifelong desire to work with children. Hmm, interesting. Yes. I did uh, films like Die Hard and Robin Hood out of necessity to feed my family. Mm, well, uh, uh, you know. well, that's why uh, uh, you tried to teach me some games when I came here <laughs> and I said, I am not a child. That's Alan right. Rickman, you tried to, uh, yes. I pulled a quarter from behind your ear <laughs> to impress you. Where? And I said, I have a beard. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I'm a full grown man. That's really sweet. I mean, it seems a little bit um I don't know, like like there's a there's a cognitive dissonance there. You say that you always wanted to be a murderer, but you have this joy in you that goes completely against that and also of course your stature and your voice yes, it feels uh contradictory but i contain multitudes yeah if, i can understand that if you've ever watched enough criminal minds you know there are all kinds of murderers out there interesting well i'd love to ask you more about that a little bit later on but let's go back to napoleon for a moment uh so at the start of the french uh, revolution mm. you're an officer in the army but in only four years you become a general, which is a very impressive rise to power. And we already talked a little bit about how, you know, you just kind of like used charisma uh, basically to get there. Did you have an end goal or were you just like, I'm going to I'm just going to accumulate as much power and as fast and as humanly possible? Uh, I thought that uh, I was like, oh, hey, it's the four years that I spent uh, mm-hmm. kind of working there. I was like, that's my college, baby. Baby, I like <laughs> I like this phrase, uh, Alain Rickman. I like your style, Napoleon. <laughs> well, well. Uh, so I thought, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, why put if you plan to fail? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm, so I said, okay. there's one of my. It's in my book. You can, yeah. Which oh, is, I, I, I'm sorry. Is this a new book or is this the autobiography it's, it's you wrote new. while you were in exile? Uh, no, no, no. It, on Elba. The island of Elba, yes. uh, my exile. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, no, this is my new ones that I'm selling at my uh, my speeches that I give. Oh, okay. My motivational speeches. Uh, oh, right. Born, Going back to your Tony where, Robbins stuff. Born yeah. Apart is what it is wow. called. Uh, it's, it's based on Bonaparte. It was oh, Born yeah. Apart. All right. So it's making yourself uh, an individual that everyone likes. 
Does the book contain any pictures? Uh, uh, no, no cartoons. I will not be reading okay. it. Oh, you uh, only read books with pictures in it, that uh, is Mr. Rickman? Correct. Interesting. Yes. Well, I mean, you seem like such a, I don't know, an intelligent and uh, verbose human. Like, do you, do you really just not like to read books that have only words in them? I need all parts of my brain to be stimulated when I'm engaging in an activity. And therefore, I need words and pictures to fulfill both left and right brain uh, activity. Do you find that that's a, a constant problem? Like, no matter what you're doing, you feel like you always have to have another source of input going on? Yes. Whenever you see me acting on screen, just out of the frame, I am playing with a scientific calculator. And playing with a scientific calculator? Like... Not not like Snake or whatever, one of the games that would be yeah. on there. The TI-823? Is, that, is that, that it? You own one as well. Uh, no, 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 but I always wanted to own one. They so. were highly overrated. They were kind of cool to have in the 90s. Yeah. They were like having the first little mini portable computer, obviously, you know. Oh but um, yeah, what would you? What kind of games would you play on your on your graphing calculator? No games. Uh, all scientific calculations. So you were just doing math. That's I would, on, oh, okay. That's right. I would just make up a problem on the spot and solve it while whilst I was reciting my lines. Oh wow! I had no idea that you were that you needed so much stimulation, Mister Rickman. That's uh, I do, especially because of how just like chill of a person you seem to be. That has to be the voice that's giving me that impression. Uh, wow. You know, it belies a raging anger. <laughs> I contain at all times. Have wow. you ever seen the Avengers? Yes, yes. The Avengers. Do you recall when Bruce Banner says, "That's my secret cap." I'm always angry. Yes. Oh, God. And, ah. Ah, I, I, you know, it's driving me crazy. You said that so amazingly. Just like that voice just like makes it possible. I want you to play every character in everything. Give you know? me a famous movie line. Oh, 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 God. Oh. This is great. Um, Let's um, see here. Uh, uh, you, you have one, uh, Mr. Bonaparte? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I got one. I got one. So let's say Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right. Um, uh, Ferris Bueller, he says, has that line. At the very beginning, he says, "You know, if you don't stop and uh, if you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you might miss it." Life moves fast. If you don't <laughs> stop to look around every once in a while, you just might miss it. Oh, oh. oh Jesus. You know, oh my uh, God, Jared, Jared, uh, can I make a request? <laughs> yes, Mr. Bonaparte, uh, please. How about uh, uh, like a song, like the beginning of a song? Oh, did you have something uh, in mind? Uh, but I just want to hear it in Alan Rickman's voice. Okay, yeah. Uh, how about uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Ooh, James, are you familiar with the uh, the beginning I of the? Am. Okay, yes. yeah. So let's let's yeah. This is uh, Mr. Rickman, Alan Rickman, doing the beginning of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground was where I spent most of my days. Oh. Chilling out, <laughs> maxing, relaxing all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. That is oh. magical. I feel so it, it's like chills at the back that of my well. spine. Oh. Oh, that is incredible. We, we could literally have you do that all day, but I have to go back to Mr. Oh, Bonaparte okay. ask you a couple more questions. <laughs> right. I know we're both worse off for it. Yeah. Um, but so I wanted to ask you, 
you know, uh, you you become this general, this military general, mm-hmm. the French army, general. and around the time that you are promoted to general, uh, you start an association with the revolutionary Maximilian Robespierre. Wow, and wow, some Robespierre. some historians uh, suggest that you were placed under house arrest in Nice after Robespierre was executed because he knew that because everybody knew that he supported you. Is that what happened? Do you remember being in under house arrest in Nice? Like, did, like, did they did they condemn you for being friends with Robespierre, that sort of thing? Yeah, wait, wait. I, I don't remember it much as a house arrest. I remember mm-hmm. it as a house party. Really? Uh, wait, wait. It's, it was, uh, I said, you know what, staycation. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a perfect time for me to work on uh, my speeches, work on myself. Mm. Uh, and my buddy Robespierre is sad. It's real sad. Mm, I, yeah. uh, I'm, uh, uh, I cry. Every night thinking about him, but oh, uh, so you and Rosie were really close. Ah, close. Wait, wait, wait. We're close buddies. Uh, but and I, but he supported me, and uh, and I was like, sorry, buddy. Uh, that's the way it happens yeah, in France it really, in that time. Well, according to Wikipedia, it, it seems like more you had more of a uh, tangential kind of relationship, but you're saying that you guys were really close. Oh, close. Yeah, we, we go out we go out to Paris and we just like, hey, what what can-can show can we see tonight? <laughs> what can-can we do to get uh, just some action out there? You, you, keep on, you keep on mentioning Paris, <laughs> you know, which is interesting because, you know, I'm going through Wikipedia here and there's a lot of other places in France oh, that are mentioned like Corsica and uh, Nice, uh, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you're saying you spent a lot of time in Paris? Well, Paris, yeah. Okay, so that it's was the like... capital. It's where <laughs> everything's going on. And, and that's where my Art de Triomphe is. That's where uh, my Tuileries, my Louvre, that's where all my... That's where all I go when I'm there. I, I, absolutely. You right know, away. I'm not going to uh, contradict you on your life, yeah. Mr. But, Bonaparte. Yeah, but Nice, she's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. Not, I had a great party there. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's, yeah. I've always felt that house arrest always seemed like more of a of a gift than a punishment. It's, it's like you know? an at-home suspension yeah, you from know? school. It's like, well, okay, mom, my toys are here. I can stay <laughs> in my room. Great. Grounded. <laughs> so you held this, you held this, uh, this, this, this party in your house yeah. because everybody knew that you were friends with Robespierre. Uh, and so like this, this party was, was it like a month? Was it like two months? Yeah, like, like, uh, like six months. Yeah. yeah. Six month long six party. Month long party. Why? Wow. And you wonder how I got so, so big. It's cause everybody was there. Wow. Everyone was at that party. Wow. Uh, wait, we, uh, we had... named some people who were at oh, that party. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> well we had some absent. So sometimes, Ooh, okay. uh, memory, she's shaky. Uh, Robespierre, um, I wish he could have been there. Uh, let's say, um, Let's see, uh, my buddy Frank, Frank, my buddy Frank, Frank, okay. yeah, Frank, uh, all the generals, all the lieutenants, um, Renoir, Renoir was there, Renoir was there, oh, was wow. there. Uh, Mary Cassette was there, Mary Cassette, Monet, Manet, everybody. <laughs> All painters. This is incredible. Yeah, I can't believe that there's no record of this house party spur- having happened. Burned down. We, Wait, we burned, you burned the records. We burned the records uh, wow. for our cigars. Uh, um, that's decadent. Well, it's pretty decadent. Wow, that is incredible. We're gonna have to take a break pretty soon. But I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, um, uh, Mr. Rickman, like that sounds like that would have been an incredible party to go to, right? Quite. Yeah, I mean, like, do you did you ever have? It really seems from your Wikipedia that you had kind of a more buttoned down life. 
you know, in the entertainment industry. Did you ever have any decadent experiences like what Mr. Napoleon is describing here? Yes, I too burned the records, which is why you've never heard of my legendary house parties. Ooh, so you also were known for having big house parties. Yes, I make all of my guests sign an NDA before they enter so they may not speak of it. Interesting. Wow. Okay, like what sort of things, what kind of shenanigans would you get up to in these uh, in these house parties? And also, what era are we talking about? Are we talking about early... You know, before you're a successful actor, when you're in the movies already, when you're doing theater, like what's going on? Uh, this was post blockbuster age, so post Die Hard, post mm-hmm. Robin Hood, but pre Harry Potter. Okay, all right. Uh, are you that fam- is that is prime Rickman oh, right wow. there, in my wow. opinion. Thank yeah. you. It's good to know that I peaked before now. <laughs> are you familiar with Cirque du Soleil? Yes, of course. We hired all of Cirque du Soleil. And made them all perform with seven shots of whiskey in them. Wow. So you would get Cirque du Soleil drunk, Alan Rickman, and you would make them perform at your house parties? Precisely. That is incredible. It really breaks my heart that the two of you threw these incredible house parties, Alan Rickman and Napoleon. And not only were you not alive at the same time to enjoy it, but also that you didn't leave any records... For us to enjoy, for us to interpret and to and to read, you know, as a, as a as a fan of history, I got to say that was a really missed that was a missed opportunity there, if, guys. Yeah, if you didn't, uh, if you don't, if you remember it, then you weren't there. <laughs> so that's what we said in Paris. We oh my gosh, we said the same thing. <laughs> oh, that is a, an incredible connection we've just made there. But wow. we got to take a short break, so we'll be right back with Napoleon Bonaparte and Alan Rickman on Famous, Famous Dead People. People. Stay oh, with us. Famous Dead People. Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break from the show to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends all about us. That stuff helps us out a whole bunch. Yeah, recommend the show to your friends. I don't see why you wouldn't do that since you like it so much. Uh, Feel free to hit us up anytime you like at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. You can send us feedback or if you have a famous dead person that you want to have on the show, I would love to accommodate you, a fan of the show, and put your favorite famous dead person on here. Also, go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It's super funny. Go buy it at a bookstore. Go buy it online. It is available to order right now. And lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash FamousDeadPeople and click on the Sponsor This Show button. All those donations help to keep awesome content like Famous Dead People on the air. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are early 19th century French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte, and the award-winning British actor behind the diehard character Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman. Uh, now, I'd like to go back to you uh, for a moment, Mr. Rickman, because, you know, we talked a little bit about your uh, graphic design career, which you corrected us and said that you were just basically tagging different uh, jovial, wistful names around, I'm assuming, uh, London or other parts of England. Indeed. Um, but you do eventually make the jump to being an actor. Um, what was it that made you bridge that gap and you're like I'm doing I'm doing my art but now I'm going to move over and I'm going to try to be a classically trained actor go to RADA that sort of thing uh, I uh, injured my hands 
and I could no longer hold a spray paint can. Oh, how did you injure your hands? Uh, on on one of my painting excursions, I was underneath a train car, and I was spray painting the underside of a train car. You can see why I was not a successful graffiti <laughs> artist. Seems like it'd be really difficult to see, well, you know, a tag if it's underneath a train. Indeed. Uh, that was not a revelation that I had at the time. <laughs> So the train car rolled over my fingertips and I was <gasps> incapacitated oh my God. for oh, roughly a year and a half. And did you lose any part of your hand? No, no, they are still oh, good, intact. They just could not grip anything for the life of them. Oh, wow. That is, wow. I mean, thank God for us that we wow. were able to have all of you in all these incredible films. You know, and also that you eventually were so injured that you couldn't continue your tagging wow. career. That's and, right. and lucky you did not have to grip anything in a movie, like a <laughs> cup, like no cup work. This guy. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah. how many how many times in a movie did your character, did the director want your character to hold something and you just had to say no? All, all the time. So, like, it, let's oh. talk about one of your famous movies. So, oh, you know, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going have to one. have to ask you about Die Hard. So of let's course. just dive right in yes. to Die Hard. All right, Hans Gruber. All of the guns you see me holding in that mm-hmm. movie were digitally painted in. So, oh, wow. Oh. So computers did the guns in Die Hard. That's right. That, were, that, that Alan Rickman was holding. Of course. Oh. Did yes. other people hold Guns no, or? Bruce Willis held guns in my face and waved them around uh, in between takes and said, la la la, look at what I can do. <laughs> I found it quite insulting. Oh, wow. Did you have a bad relationship with Bruce Willis because of that? I, I would say it was more of a big brother, little brother relationship. Where he was the big brother and you were the little brother. Yes, like he, he gave me noogies you. every day, which I could not reciprocate because oh. he is, of course, bald. All right. Mm. Well, no, you can give you can give noogies to somebody who's bald. You could try. Do you think that hair is the thing that you need to give noogies, Mr. Rickman? Yes, the friction that <laughs> hair gives you is truly what makes a noogie worth giving. Oh, maybe it's just like not as good. On a bald head, it just feels like you're polishing a bowling ball. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like the opposite of having sex with a condom. Like, it just sort of, like, adds an extra thing to give a noogie to somebody with hair, whereas wearing wearing a condom during sex, like, kind of takes away a little of the sensation. That's a pretty good analogy, right? Uh, it's yeah. a bit of a stretch, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I've taken my punishment in the, in the awkward stares that you two are giving me. Uh, so let's go back to you, Mr. Napoleon. I read that while you were, uh, you're waiting to be transferred to Constantinople when you're a young general, um, and you were, uh, courting a young lady. I read that you wrote a romantic novella called Clisson et Eugene Uh, about a soldier and his lover that was based on your relationship. Is that true? Oh, yeah. That got hot and steamy. It's a whole thing. I got hot just writing it. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's me and my love. And uh, and I wrote it all down and, and I published it. Wow. Yeah. Well, Can you tell us a little bit about the story behind uh, yeah. Clisson et Yongine? Well, it's about a very short man. Okay. And, Obviously, uh, that would be you. Well, yeah. that was me. And uh, and, there's a t- and there's a tall woman. Mm-hmm. She was tall. And uh, and how they met in the middle in the bedroom. Uh, <laughs> that's where height does not matter. Does, <laughs> don't let anyone tell you different because it's, it's a lie. It's the same when you are on, uh, when one is on the back and one is not on the back. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you referring to doggy style? I'm I'm what? not sure. What is that? Wait, wait, doggy, okay. is, as you put it. Yeah, doggy <laughs> style. Uh, uh, le chien. 
style. Uh, the dog style, the mm -hmm. style of yeah, the of dog. Course. Well, um, and, uh, and so it's a lot of uh, erotica mm -hmm. in it. Uh, it's hot, it's steamy. I don't get a lot into dialogue because I can't write it that well. So it's a you lot of description. Where you... I, like just like dialogue, just not my thing. So I hmm, said, I'm just gonna write a lot of description. Have oh, you wow. considered a writing partner? Ah, uh, no. oh my God, no. Mr. Rickman, uh, are you offering to write erotica with all Napoleon I'm Bonaparte? Is that as uh, a man who has made a career of dialogue, I think I could be of some assistance. Oh, well, Interesting. And this is a book where pictures would be very <laughs> helpful. So that would be helpful. That's right up your alley, Mr. Rickman. Yes, it is. Well, that's actually because you you're saying this as though that's a skill that you have, but weren't all those lines? Just written down for you, Mr. Rickman. Are you saying that you have a gift for dialogue? Uh, when you're around the business as long as I am, you can kind of do it all. So mm, uh, uh, in early in your career, there's acting and directing and writing as three separate lanes. And as you progress further, they converge into one singular mega lane. Interesting. So you think that you have every skill necessary to make a movie? Positively. Wow. So you would be like a, a lighting designer also or a, a yes. script supervisor? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. I am my own key grip, <laughs> my own best boy, my own B unit, my own C unit. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry that we got so distracted. I really wanted to hear more oh. about this erotic novella that uh, uh, Mr. Bonaparte yes, wrote. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're saying that, you know, like there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just description of you... Uh, this this short man and this tall woman yeah, meeting right. in the middle in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. well, um, uh, what I'm wondering is, was there a story around that? Or is this novella just like one sexual encounter that uh, you two are having? Uh, it was a major part of it because uh, it's a novella. So a novella mm -hmm. is a short novel. Yes, a novel. short novel. Yeah. Uh, so most of it is about the sex act. The sex act. Okay. Uh, le chien style, le chat style, <laughs> le vozo style. I'm sorry, style. cat style? Cat style, bird what's, style. What's cat style? Uh, cat style is where someone stretches <laughs> and the person comes behind them okay so it's it's sort of like um uh almost like a doggy style okay uh, but uh but there's a lot more stretching stretching oh you, you mind if i uh maybe uh you know add a little bit of yoga to this you could say it's a downward dog style because like uh, it's a puppy pose as a puppy pose. puppy pose oh okay interesting yeah because i do yoga too uh well, that's yeah, explains why you're so fit uh -huh. obviously I, uh, well, well, well. um so uh <laughs> and the bird style is just your arms outstretched like the bird and um and and you just Flap, 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 flap until uh, until your dick hits the target, <laughs> and then um, and then the rest is the hips. Um, until your know. dick hits the target. Well, that is my. That's I, that's verbatim. I gotta uh, say, in French, it's more beautiful. But that has been the bane of my sexual existence: is trying to get my dick to reach the target. If only I had known wow. about flapping my arms. Wow. That is incredible. So there's no real story. It's just uh, this no, one sexual. Well, is there like, is there's like a war. There's like there's a, there's there's a, plot a war. Is, yeah, wait, there's a plot. It's real tacked on. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh, wait, and so it's just sort of like okay, there's a war. It's like heightened stakes, you know, because that's what you need in in movies too. Mm -hmm. And just in the you need heightened stakes. You need an inciting incident. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a war, and then uh, and then uh, I'm a pizza delivery guy, <laughs> and I deliver the pizza, and so it gets hot and steamy. This is getting really there. complicated. I, I think, told you. Yeah, I really I think we to, should move on. I think I want to run a pizza parlor. I said it earlier. <laughs>
So that's... Well, let's uh, move back to Mr. Rickman then for a moment. So, you know, you, you eventually start acting, and thank goodness you that you do. Uh, your breakout role was in the Broadway production of Dangerous Liaisons in 1987. Yes. Um, but I know that there's like, you know, that's... They made it into a movie with John Malkovich, um, and uh, then it was eventually remade into a more contemporary movie called Cruel Intentions with Sarah Michelle Gellar, obviously, and Ryan Felipe. It was a great movie. But for those of you who might not, for those of my listeners who might not know uh, about Dangerous Liaisons, would you mind talking a little bit about the story and what your role in that show was? Sure. Uh, so the the caveat I should add is that in the course of all of these uh, adaptations, the plot has changed significantly. So, so what oh, I will so. describe, you might not recognize as dangerous liaisons. So even if we go back and read it, it might not match up. Is that what you're saying? I can almost guarantee <laughs> you it will certainly not match up with what I'm okay. about to describe. Yeah, absolutely. Hit us. So in Dangerous Liaisons, I play a door-to-door salesman <gasps> mm. selling vacuum cleaners. Wow. This okay. sounds like Death of a Salesman. It does sound a little bit more like Death of a Salesman. It takes a left turn. Oh. <laughs> because then I, I find an orphan and I adopt that orphan. And throughout the course of the work... The orphan teaches me about sales, and I teach her about life. This sounds like Paper Moon now. Wow. It's almost like the beginning is Death of a Salesman, and then it takes a hard left into Paper Moon. Yes, and it ends like The Matrix. <laughs> I won't spoil the ending. But you always, okay, that's fair. Suffice it to say, it is a unique piece of work that, that has been lost in translation, yeah. if you ask me. It really is completely different, you know, yeah. the, the the current uh, manifestations of this. Uh, but I wanted to ask you really quickly about, so you say that you're playing this um, traveling salesman, and then you meet an orphan. And do you meet an orphan, like, when you're en route to one of your houses? Or is there an orphan, like, in a house that you're trying to sell a vacuum to? Yeah, the latter, once okay. again. All I, right. I sell to, uh, it's almost like the house from Despicable Me. Okay, Where just one, a bunch of kids running around. Yes, yes, right. and the kids answer the door, and I strike up a rapport with one of the children, and then I realize that she is in a bad, bad situation, so I adopt her. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, that sounds like an incredible story. Yes, if only you could have been there to see the original production. You know what we should do, because, you know, this is lost to the sands of time, and I know that you and Napoleon were looking for something to collaborate on, okay. maybe an erotic interpretation of the original Dangerous Liaisons that has been lost to the ages. Would, do you guys think that that might be something that you could work on together? Uh, yes, let's work on it. Let's try very hard to not mix the child parts with the sexy parts. Feels like there's a lot of... Uh, this feels like a minefield of a plot. It's really a tightrope walk to uh, make that appropriate. So yeah, maybe we should just... We'll put a pin on that for a moment. We'll go back to you, Mr. Napoleon, for a moment. Here we go. So uh, after some of your more notable military successes, you start to enjoy a level of fame Uh, in France. I could not walk down a street in Paris without (laughs) someone coming up to me. Uh, Well, that's what I want to know. It's like we know what fame looks like in 2017. Like you have a lot of Instagram followers or, you know, you go on all the daytime talk shows. Like what was it like to be a famous Napoleon in the 1790s? Like how did fame work back then? Uh, I go to the patisserie. Mm-hmm. I got free donuts, free nice. croissants, wow. just free. Wow. And then I go to the, uh, the cafe, free coffee, free cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go just a f- lot of free stuff, swag, 
Lots of swag bag. A lot of swag. Where I go to Dior. I get some <laughs> nice uh, uh, clothes. I, I didn't but, know Dior was a thing back then, oh, back a, in the 1790s. A, uh, just, uh, it's, it's a heritage. Uh, it's right. uh, passed down and down. Okay. So it has a little um, little home, and I go in there. So like, I just like, what can I get with this face? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I get it. Wow, interesting. Well, you mentioned swag. Like when I think of swag now, you know, it's like a TV show will have like a sweater with its name on right. it, or you know, a movie will have a cup with its name on it. Like, what right. kind of swag were you getting back then? Uh, waistcoats, vests, <laughs> high socks, uh, culottes. Uh, what berets? Oh, of course, obviously okay. berets. Lots of berets. I have so many berets, Jared. Mm-hmm. You want one? Alan Rickman, you get the beret. Oh, oh wow! You, you brought the whole bag of berets. Here you, you go. Oh, Everyone what a lovely array of oh, berets. Wow. Now this is this is really cute. Where all three of us are wearing berets. This is great. Yeah, wow! Yeah. I really wish you guys could be here in the studio. Uh, for amazing. those of you who are uh, just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are British actor Alan Rickman and French military and political leader from the early 19th century Napoleon. Bonaparte. Uh, so going back to you, Mr. Rickman, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, your role in the movie Die Hard. And, you know, this is, for, please forgive me for, for geeking out about this, but it is maybe one of my favorite movie villain characters of all time. Essays have been written about how that part changed the genre of the movie villain. Do you think, I mean, in your opinion, obviously you lived it, was it written that well, or was that, or did that character Hans Gruver leap to life because you were the one behind it? It was all me, baby. Really? Yes. Originally, that character was a bland, blank canvas of mm-hmm. a villain. It was my idea to make him German. It was my idea to have him call uh, 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 John McClane a cowboy over mm. the walkie-talkie. And in fact, it was my idea to have the the power outage be part of the plot of the movie. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of things in there that it would have changed the movie dramatically if it had just been left the way that it was. So you're saying that you made the character German. What was the character's name originally? Uh, Francois... Delacorte. Oh, he was French. His name was or Francois Cajun. Delacorte. Yes. Or, or, or Cajun, that or is. Cajun. That's true. He could Where? be from Louisiana. Uh-huh. Okay, and so you said also that you didn't call John McClane cowboy at all. Like, that's, that's a little flair that could easily be taken out of the script. Yes. But you're saying also that the power adage was not part of the original script. So then how did the movie progress then? Because that's a huge part of the movie. To get through the last column into the safe, we just took, originally took out a big-ass drill. A big <sighs> drill. That's a, interesting. A large, large drill. Well, that's what he was using in the beginning of the movie, and then the electric lock happens, it's, and then he can't open. The writers were not very so creative. They just got a bigger drill then? Recycling their own <laughs> ideas. Uh, in, so then, in the first draft of the script, it was just a drill, and then another drill, and then another drill. Three drills yes. to get through the to get all the way through to the money. Yes. Wow, that in, is incredible. In Nakatomi Plaza. Mm-hmm. Was it was it Nakatomi Plaza originally? Tell me that wasn't something that you put into the script. It was originally set in the Sears Tower in Chicago. Wow. And I said, why not make up a tower? <laughs> That's What's better? the advantage Where? of making up a tower? You can name it whatever you want. It's <laughs> a really good point. It's, it's a good one. It's a good name. Give oh, right. me uh, a name that is more fun to say than Nagatomi Plaza. Nagatomi Plaza. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Every one of the things that you mentioned made that movie better and richer. So, god damn. Yeah, that is incredible. And Christmas, it's a beautiful joyeux Noël. 
a film. Was it also in Christmas time? I'm sorry, were you just saying Christmas in French, Mr. Bonaparte? Well, well, that... I speak French. I am the well, Bonaparte. obviously. But uh, was Die Hard originally in, a, in a, a Christmas time? Took place in, in Christmas? No, it was originally a 4th of July film. <laughs> okay, and so why did you, in all of your, uh, you know, I don't know what you would say, uh, in your genius, your script doctoring genius, decide to have it take place during Christmas time? Uh, the, the film takes place in L.A., and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we picked a holiday that would be inconsequential, uh, ecologically speaking, because it does not traditionally so snow in Los Angeles. the weather is exactly the same. Precisely. Nothing yeah. <laughs> it's just a small joke for me. <laughs> Uh, wow, it works. I feel like I feel like it had a subtle effect on all of us. Like I feel like all of us got the joke, even if we weren't laughing out loud or even realized that it was happening. Uh, but let's go back to you, Mister uh, Bonaparte, okay. for just a moment. So you know, we we talked a little bit about your strategy for you know uh, advancing the ranks, like just being a really charming person. Yeah. But you famously said in one of your um, autobiographies that you never learned anything from any. Of the wars that you fought, you bat you did your first battle the same way as your last. And so I'm wondering, was there a secret to all of your victories, something that you had realized so young in life that you just did throughout your entire military career? Well, I sort of thought, uh, was was war? Uh, what good is it for? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was like, hey, I, uh, it's the same. So I sort of desensitized myself early on. Okay. And I said, hey, is this? doesn't really matter uh mm. so i said it, it, it will the cards will uh, lands as they may and so uh so war what is it good for it's not nothing so i uh, so i said it's the same it's the same so i just sensed myself i acted the same at the first battle as mm. the last battle so just you know like ice okay inside, but then how did, how did that help you win battles then having that kind of like let the cards fall where they may, laissez-faire attitude. Well, uh, so, uh, laissez-faire. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that really is... charmed by your own language, Mr. Well, Bonaparte. Uh, uh, je, je, yeah, j'aime je, uh, le français. Uh, so, uh, I, um, I, was cool. I was cool, like ice. Mm -hmm. And so, when I went out to battle, I, I was very good to uh, not to get emotional. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, I said, that can happen later. So, I said, this now, I'm going to be um, uh, like, uh, like a man of ice through the field, and I will melt at the end. Interesting. So, so you think that because you were calm and collected, yes, that was well. the only advantage you had over your enemies. Maybe everybody else is freaking out everybody in a war. freaking out. Wow. Uh, so I said, hey, yeah, I got this. I got this. And so I said, this doesn't really matter anyway, so... Let's just see what happens. And oh so, God. yeah, I just, I just, that's cool. It's almost a little bit like when you're dating somebody and they act like they don't care. It kind of right. makes you a little bit oh. more into them. Yeah. Are you right. saying that like your enemies on the battlefield were just like so blown away by your attitude that they just, they, yeah. they would lose their minds? Well, is that I, I played hard to get. And so <laughs> your, uh, so your opponent is like, oh, wait, why is he not like attacking? And so they're like, hey, let me get a little closer and a little mm -hmm. closer. And then by the time they get close enough, I, I'm, I've already ambushed them from the sides. Wow. And so that's, that's how I work. That is an incredible right. strategy. Uh, and, it, yeah. and, you know, I haven't been to any kind of military academies, but I understand that they still study your maneuvers, oh. you know, to this day. Wait, wait. Is that something that, like, is that in a textbook? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. You... The textbooks are, oh, yeah, lots. We have, we had textbooks back then. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, war 
of part one uh, of war part two <laughs> now there's so many parts now that it's hard to catch up but mm. uh yeah all my strategies were in there also uh just uh sometimes i give uh, like they were my early books mm -hmm. so little uh little quotes from me little things about war and uh, oh interesting yeah well oh, okay well you know i'd love to ask you more about uh, the autobiography and everything but i'd love to go back to mr rickman oh, here for sure. just a moment uh so you know we already talked about hans Gruver. we talked a little bit about the sheriff of of rottingham about um <clears throat> But your role in the Harry Potter movies as uh, Professor Snape. Um, I read that you started getting typecast as uh, the villain because of how, you know, obviously melodious your voice is and how deep, you know, you have kind of a sinister air to you. Um, and that I read that it bothered you. Like, what sort of roles did you want to play that you weren't getting offered because of, you know, your gravitas? Uh, regular everyman roles. That was why I signed on to Love Actually. Okay. I just got to play kind of a dick. Kind of a dick. Mm. Yes. Well, yeah. that's kind of a villain, though, wouldn't you say? Like, he's he's trying to, he's sort of like leaning towards having an affair, yes, you know? Yes, but the stakes are considerably lower than trying to rob a giant building of mm. hundreds of millions in Or trying to save bombs. the entire uh, magic community, wow. you know? That's, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, did you ever want to, I don't know, like, what's what's the most non-Alan Rickman kind of character, Alan Rickman-y kind of character that you thought you would like to get take a crack at? Almost anything Larry <laughs> the Cable Guy does. <laughs> Oh, so you yeah. so you would want to be like in a movie playing a Larry the Cable Guy kind of a guy? You got it, baby. <laughs> all right. Wow. Well, what's yeah. like um, you know, you know, we're all three of us creatives, you know, like you were an actor obviously and Mr. Bonaparte was an author. Yeah, you know, like what's in, what's a, a scenario that we're going to get our Alan Rickman Larry the Cable Guy kind of character into that um, you know, that we could maybe see like a little scene from, you know. Oh. So like uh, uh Larry the cable guy, you know, he's obviously a cable guy, right? Uh, so, so he uh, he comes up to a door uh and uh, uh he's hungry. He's mm. hungry, his belly is rumbling. Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, he he wants to get some food <sighs> at a restaurant, maybe? Maybe. Okay. But he he still has the door. He has to take care of the client. Oh right. Where? He has to he has to fix the cable, but he's cable. super hungry. Oh. So hungry. Okay, so yeah, the Alan Rickman, take us away. Hello, I'm here to fix your cable. But before I do so, I must tell you that I am positively famished. <laughs> Have you but a scrap of food that I may partake in so as to quell my own raging hunger prior to fixing your cable? I gotta be honest, you sound a little bit like a bad guy still. Well, Does it, uh, that, uh, is that uh, off-base, Mr. Just, uh, just say, I'm hungry. <laughs> that's it. So that's what Larry, the cable guy, was saying. Let's, uh, let's go back to Bonaparte for just a moment. So um, some people say, you have all these incredible military victories, right. you know, um, but some people say that your downfall was invading Russia in 18 oh. tell in 1812 it devastated your army yeah. it left you vulnerable to the other allied forces and you know, hitler famously made the same mistake during world yeah. war ii yeah. um and you know people have written uh, about this extensively but i'd love to hear it from your perspective what exactly was the fatal flaw in advancing on the russian front from your perspective uh, I, uh, part of me wanted to get all the way around the world attacking. And so okay. I said, hey, let's just keep going this way. So I said, oh, just a little bit, a little bit. And then I did not realize how much snow would be in our <laughs> neige, uh, the snow. 
in in the Russia, and mm. so I uh, I realized like, oh, it's, Russia is bigger than I thought, and I uh, I bought my map maker over, and I said. Hey, is, is this how big this is? And he said, no, it's actually bigger. And I realized, like, oh, no. Mm. But I was already there. <laughs> so I said, ah, I'll just keep going. Maybe the snow will melt. Mm. So, Maybe you'll get so far into Russia that it'll become warm again. Wait, wait, wait. And, and then I can be over in, uh, in Asia. And uh, mm. uh, so I can uh, go over from, uh, from Russia all the way around the world. Mm. Uh, did not happen. but uh, No, unfortunately, but, yeah. I'm surprised that you didn't consult your map maker before this. Was yeah. it really you? You were so loosey goosey about war that you're just like, yeah, let's go a little bit further, a little bit further. Right. So yes, that was me. Hindsight also 2020. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 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 2020. <laughs> if you had made it through Russia, you would have made it to Los Angeles, where it is ironically. Quite warm. Wow. Imagine yeah. making oh. a Christmas movie in Los Angeles. Oh, well, I would uh, love that. I'd love to make up a building uh, in uh, Los Angeles. That would be wonderful. Right. But uh, I should have gone the other way. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. That, I mean, if you just ended your expedition a little bit earlier, then you would have been fine. Well, well, and uh, yeah. I think we only have time for a couple more questions. Uh, oh. So I want to ask you about your exile, oh. uh, Mr. Bonaparte, which what? is one of the things I found so fascinating about your story is it almost seems like you're this extremely powerful mutant. Like, they can't put you in a regular jail. They oh. they send you to an island in the Mediterranean called right. Elba. Then after that, you, you come back. You become, like, emperor for another 100 days. Yeah. And then they sent you to another island in the Atlantic, a thousand miles away from Africa. Why do they need to do this? Why do they need to go to, to such extremes? Uh, they were scared. Of uh, my power uh, over the people because I was so popular. So mm. they said, oh, no, he can't be here for more than 100 days. <laughs> uh, so we got uh, to put him away on the island. I'm, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you really quickly. So you say they, they told you you could only be there for 100 days. As oh, I uh, understood it, 100 days was how long it took them to take the country back from you. But they gave you exactly 100 <sighs> days? Yeah, well, well, well. 100 <laughs> days. They said, okay, so you get 100 days. And I said... Can we make it more? <laughs> and they said no. Uh, okay, so I said okay, 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 uh, because I, I know when I, when I am beat, and so I said okay, a hundred days, I'll be emperor of France. Uh, it was wonderful, uh, and so uh, so they can't they can't contain the Napoleon uh, spirit. Uh, so uh, they were very afraid. I mm -hmm. had me go from island to island, and uh, yeah. But I made friends everywhere I went. Oh, you yeah. Know? Well, like you're I a very said, charming guy. It's, a, it's an at-home suspension. It is, it is intoxicating mind. being around you, uh, right. Mr. Oh, Bonaparte. Wow. And that is, I, yeah, I, I think it's really nice of the British to let you keep doing these, like, hundred days of leading all of France. Like, that seems like a really good uh, imprisonment, in it's my right. opinion. You know? I, and then you have to go live on an island for a while. Yeah, and I liked that island. <laughs> I liked them. Uh, I go swimming. Uh, uh, le, le piscine. <laughs> Uh, We're all pool. very impressed by how much French you know, Mr. What? Napoleon. But unfortunately, yeah. that is all the time we have for this week's episode uh, of Famous uh, Dead Dommage. People. <laughs> so I'd like to thank my guests, Napoleon Bonaparte and Alan Rickman, for joining us in the studio today. Um, I do have one final question for the both of you. I know it's a little bit weird, but do either of you have any Twitter accounts or comedy shows that you want to tell people about? Mr. Rickman, is that uh, something that you have on your mind? Uh, sure. You, my uh, my good friend, Mike Caballon, has a very good Twitter that you can follow. It's at Mike Caballon. Mike Caballon. Okay. And uh, Mr. Napoleon, anything? Well, uh, oh, I, I love Twitter. So, mm -hmm. uh, at Graymagon, G-R-A-Y. 
M-E-J-A-N. Uh, that's at Girl Megan on Twitter. And also uh, <laughs> the Magnus Theater for improv uh, Thursdays at 8 or 9 o'clock with the Junior Varsity. It is an incredible improv, improv team. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask your favorite dead people, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at gmail, famousdeadpeople at brooklyn at radiofreebrooklyn.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous dead people.